Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2019. This is Andrea talking about steps 6 and 7. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm an alcoholic and I am sober today. Hello, Andrea. And that's a bloody miracle. I come from a little town called Alexandra, a couple of hours over the Black Spur there. And um, I would really like to thank the Working With Others group because on occasion they have visited us in our little neck of woods. And where we might have had two or three people, we've ended up with a large group of people who bring such strength and hope to us out there in our little outposts. Now, I, um, I ended up in a rehab just over ten years ago in Wagga because that was as far away from Alexandra that my mind could imagine in those days. And my world was rather small. In fact, it consisted of my work and the local supermarket and my home. And I made a daily journey to work, grabbed myself some wine, marinated myself, hated my own guts and got up and repeated the whole thing again on a daily basis. I got to a rehab and uh, within the first couple of days of that rehab we went to our first AA meeting And there was a woman up there telling my story and I could not believe that there was somebody airing their dirty laundry in public and she was talking about the same sort of stuff that I had kept silent inside of me. Do not tell this stuff to anybody. My mother had brought me up like that and I had continued that same thing on with my three boys in our house. Now, in my country town, it's pretty hard to probably not go um, unnoticed if you're a bit of an elkie or a lot of an elkie. And yet I had this thinking that people didn't really know what my truth was. Now, some people say, you're as sick as your secrets. Well, I was bloody sick. I spent three um, weeks, sorry, three weeks in that rehab and I picked up an armful of information that was going to sort me out and solve my problem. I wasn't going to AA when I got back to Alex because I would have had it in here now and I didn't want to run into anybody that might know me in the AA meeting. I got home on the Thursday. I was really sick (laughs) by Friday morning. Friday night was even worse. Saturday I was going for a um, drink for sure. Sunday I had decided that I had to go to that meeting and I did. Now I'm really grateful that the person who started that meeting's in this room. They were there, not there when I went, they were there many years before and had sat there by themselves for many years to keep that meeting open for when I came. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. When I was in the rehab they had said something to me like 10% of your problem is the booze and 90% is you and I'm like what I know that if I could just stop this daily drinking I'll be fine in fact if you could just teach me how to be drink like a lady I'd be even better the truth was that after I had spent my first 12 months hanging on not picking up a drink I felt worse than I did when I um, had only been not drinking for a day or two And I'd been going to AA. 
I'd been going once a week to the little Sunday night meeting and I'd been sitting in a room with three other fellows and one woman who I didn't identify with but I thought that was it. There were some banners on the wall and they never talked about them. I don't even know if they were actually permanently there or if somebody packed them up or put them on. I really didn't sort of have much of a notion about them at all and I didn't know much about the big book either. At the, first, um, at the end of the first year, I was really screwy. My husband knew it, my kids knew it. And I thought I was getting much, much better because I didn't have this drink in me. I got home from um, my rehab, my twin boys, who were 16, and I have to tell you, my twin boys, my husband, my mum, my dad, my everybody else, were the reason where I was drinking anyway. But these twin boys were 16... And I said to them, I know a booze does to you now and you must not have it anymore. And they said, if off, we're at the beginning of the party <laughs> and you're not going to stop us now. So it was a really like dreadful thing. I'd go to this meeting and I'd tell these old blokes, me boys won't stop drinking and I know what's going to happen to them. And they'd say things like, hands off. Be grateful. You'll be okay. At the end of um, that first 15, 18 months, my boss decided she didn't really want me in the workplace either with my, you know, justifications about how life should be and me fixing everybody and telling them where they were going wrong. She decided too that perhaps I was difficult to work with and she made life difficult and so I moved on. I found out some stuff about my marriage that wasn't really great either. And I went on, went to the uh, meeting on Sunday night and I told some of those fellas what was going on at my house, or outside of my house rather. They were sort of saying, just keep coming back. Don't pick up the first drink. Be grateful. And then somebody suggested to me, as I went to an anniversary meeting one time, you need a sponsor. You need to start to do the steps. And I didn't know what they were talking about. I love the idea that you try and do them as soon as you can. I didn't know what it was you try and do as soon as you can. Lucky for me, I went to the Melbourne Convention um, and I was probably getting close to being two years, two and a half years sober by now and all the message I heard was get a sponsor and do the steps, get a sponsor and do the steps and so I bravely picked this beautiful woman who is energetic and full of life and I asked her would you please be my sponsor and she was grateful, yes, love to be. Now I have to say my sponsor's got a sponsor and I've got an auntie sponsor in this room who sponsors me when my sponsor's not available. And I've got a granny sponsor as well. In fact, I've got a couple of auntie sponsors and they'll all step in and help out when I need help, which is quite often. In my first year of sobriety, I thought I had what I needed to stay sober and live a happy, joyful life. I had no idea what happiness and joy were. It was only doing these steps that I started to realise that there was another plan, another way of actually being. I just thought I was going to feel like this forever. Poor me. Pour me another drink. I lived in an alcoholic home. My dad 
was the Elkie, and we just wanted to give mum drinks. She needed them. And here I was behaving like that. It was awful. We started on the, um, the, the steps and, and by the time I'd um, balked for months on the 4th and 5th and finally got it done and I drove from my sponsor's house to home, that day it took more than an hour to get from sponsor's to home, that was the hour before you pick up and um, pick up the big book, you give yourself the time and I'm entirely re ready to re have God remove these defects of character that my sponsor has helped me find. I knew that after writing these things out over and over and over and over again that there was definitely recurring patterns but I wasn't willing to grab onto it yet. I was still looking for the buts and the ifs and the what ifs and what about thems. You know, I was still trying to do the blame game and I now know that this is the step where I cannot do that anymore. I don't get away with blaming others. I have looked at how it is my fault. Oh, sorry, not always fault. And I'll change that word because my character defects are not always defects. Sometimes they were my defences. In my life when I felt like my ego, and that's what the words come up, were somehow being undermined or attacked and I've used somebody else's work, I'd pick up a shield or a spear and I'd use them. And I'd use them on you, I'd use them on my mum, I'd use them on my brothers, I'd use them at the kids at school, I'd use them at anybody. If I felt like you were criticising me or that somehow I was under attack, I would use my defences against it. What I had to work out was that these defences weren't probably really necessary if I wanted to go on into life and live a better way with my fellow man. Now, that was a tricky bit. I couldn't go to work and have the gossip around the photocopier anymore. I couldn't do the team building. You know, if I could just get those group on my side, everything would be okay. Let's go and have your annual appraisal, Andrea. What am I taking to this? My spear or my sh uh, shield, you know? I had to actually ask God to help me, to help me to please remove these defects of character, to help me to put down these defences that perhaps I'd picked up as a little girl when I may have needed them in other times, in other places. These behaviours of mine that set me apart from my fellow man. You know, in my, all of my life I was one of four siblings and um, I did a lot to climb, to climb to the top of the heap, to be the best one, to be the most favoured, to be the best girl. You know, I... Um, in my um, fifth step... I found out that I was probably a little bit like King Jong-un, actually. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. I wanted you goose-stepping in front of me, singing happy birthday. I wanted you seeing me as how much above you all that I was. And I wanted to have climbed along your backs to get there. 
So there was a twofold thing. I wanted you to support me and get me up there and then I wanted you to bow and scrape at me. It doesn't work. I can't set myself aside from my fellow man. I cannot see myself as being better than you and have you as seeing as as loving me you know i want you to i want to be loved i wanted to be cared for i wanted to be a friend and i had no idea how you can't do that if you're stomping on people and that's what i did i stomped on people i did get stomped on sometimes and i probably deserved it But at that point, I sort of got down there and played the victim. Hey, look at me, poor me, can't you all now feel sorry for me? And that doesn't work either. When I'm at work and I'm having the um, the photocopier gossip, I'm stepping on someone's toes. And I end up feeling this ugly tightness inside that makes me feel icky. And I only get to this today because I did the fifth step and the fourth step. I get to this today because I can see my character defects working. Now I'm the one who sort of rings the sponsor and says to me, you know, on my weekly meeting, uh, phone call and says, uh, um, you know, I don't get it, it's happening again. It's happening again. Oh, this is what they did, this is what I said, this is what I think, this is what they thought. And whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> she says to me, get your 12 steps, 12, 12. Flick it, open it up to the page that, um, and, and see where it is and then read that page, read the page before and read the page after. Now, I have to tell you that in the time that it's taken, I've um, underlined many places. I've gone through it again. I've even made a little scratching in the um, columns here about what dates I've visited at it. And she says to me on the phone, it's the same stuff. And it is. It's the same stuff. I do it again and again and again until I'm willing to let it go. Until I behave with humility. Till I become at one with my fellow man. Not try to be better than them. Not try to be less than them. Just to be an equal amongst my fellow man. I have to hit this wall constantly to feel humiliation, to stop practising being better than others or being a victim. Six and seven are the steps I think that um, I will get to work on for the rest of my life, thank goodness. And I will get to practise them as much as I play with my character defects, as long as I pick up Self-justified anger, jealousy, selfishness, my dishonesty, which is starting to go. I'm starting to get much better at these things. I'm, um, I'm choosing today to do the right thing in more places than I ever was before. If I think of myself ten years ago, I was very, very, very unwell. Today I'm just very, very unwell. And who knows, in another five years, I might just be very unwell. And it's not an unwellness that I can't live with today, but I tell you, when I grind or be prickly or do the wrong thing with other people, it's six and seven that's calling out to me. Are you practising those character defects? 
You having another go at one of those? Now I love that, um, is it Joe McQuainy? And he talks about how to get rid of them and he's, you know, I do pray. I ask God from a position of equality in the human race to help me get rid of my shortcomings. And the way to do it is to practice it the opposite. If I don't want to be dishonest, I practice honesty. If I don't want to feel superior to you, I try to act like I'm equal to you. Now the beautiful part of this is that when we come into AA, we see the headlights we really want to follow. Or the tail lights, sorry, let me get that right. We see the people we want to be like. We see those who have got all the bubble and the shine that we want. And they're the ones that are really working in six and seven, I think. The ones that are on a daily basis trying to remove themselves from their character defects. Practicing constantly um, when it comes up. And I know as my sponsor says, oh, if you haven't got it right now, you'll get the opportunity to practice again. Because I can leave a job. I can leave a job and then the next job, the same stuff starts happening again. I haven't got it right yet. I have an opportunity to practice again. Um, willingness. That's what it is. It's a willingness. A willingness to be better on a daily basis. A willingness to do the right thing. Today I want to be, my higher power that I've chosen for me, wants me to be happy, joyous and free. Free from the pain of addiction, free from the pain of some of my defects of character. So it's with a willingness that I pray that I can do this. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me share. <laughs>